Hey y'all, Eve's here. We're doubling up today with two events in history. On with the show. Hey, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers history one day at a time. The day was June 2nd, 1802. Aboriginal resistance leader Pimawoy was shot dead on or just before this day. Pimawoy led battles against European colonists in the colony of New South Wales who were attempting to stake claims on lands and resources in Australia. He is remembered as a warrior who led guerrilla attacks on colonists where indigenous people raised crops and farms and plundered livestock and property. And he was known for being surprisingly resistant to bullets. There are not many confirmed facts about Pimawoy's life. He was born around 1750, and he was a bigical man from the Botany Bay area of Sydney. His name came from the word Pimal, which meant earth or clay. He was described as having a speck in his left eye, and it's believed that he was a Kerdi, or a clever man or doctor who could heal wounds. One of his feet had been hit with a club and his toes were permanently injured. That injury could have been purposeful as a mark of his status as a healer. By the late 18th century and the early 19th century, Europeans had begun colonizing Australia and sending convicts there. Indigenous Australians had been living there for thousands of years, and colonists were upending society by bringing in new government, religion, and culture. Many Aboriginal people resisted the influx of colonists, who took over land, brought disease, and created competition over resources. Pimawoy was one of the Aboriginal people who fought against the incursion of Europeans. Governor Arthur Phillip had appointed a convict named John McIntyre to hunt for game. But Indigenous people were not too fond of McIntyre, as he was said to have committed violent acts against them. He allegedly wounded and killed several indigenous people in his game hunts. One day, Pimawoy put a spear through the game shooter, perforating his lung. McIntyre later died of his wounds. But Philip did not believe that the attack was warranted, as McIntyre had not been armed at the time of the incident. So the governor ordered an expedition of 50 Marines carrying hatchets and head bags to kill six indigenous people at Botany Bay and capture two. That expedition was not successful. Rumors circulated that John Caesar, who was perhaps the first Australian bushranger, had killed Pimawoy, but that was not the case. Aboriginal people conducted raids for food or as payback for colonists' atrocities. Pimawoy led a series of raids against colonists. He led one at Prospect. The Bidjigal burned huts, stole crops, and attacked travelers. He also led a raid at the government farm at Toon Gabby. But the Battle of Parameda is perhaps the most notable conflict. Pimawoy and about 100 Aboriginal warriors were chased to the outskirts of Parameda by a group of armed colonists and soldiers. But Pimawoy's group began spearing soldiers, and soldiers opened fire on the indigenous people. At least five indigenous people were killed. Pimawoy was hit by buckshot and had some lodged in his head and his body, and he was taken to the hospital. But he recovered and broke himself out of the Paramita Hospital, leading to talk of his immortality. 
Soon after his escape, he was seen on the Georges River near Botany Bay. On May 1, 1801, Governor Philip King issued an order to shoot indigenous people who were near Parramatta, the Georges River, and Prospect Hill. Convicts who had joined the Aboriginal side were outlawed, and rewards were offered for Pimelwoy's capture or killing. The order laid out the following rewards. To a prisoner for life or 14 years, a conditional emancipation. To a person already conditionally emancipated, a free pardon and a recommendation for a free passage to England. To a settler, the labor of a prisoner for 12 months. To any other descriptions of persons, 20 gallons of spirits and two suits of slops. Pimelwoy was shot dead and decapitated on or before June 2nd, 1802. It's not known who killed the resistance leader, though it's been suggested that it was a man named Henry Hacking. Pimelwoy's head was sent to Sir Joseph Banks in London, along with a letter from Governor King. In the letter, King described Pimelwoy as a terrible pest to the colony, but also a brave and independent character. Where Pimelwoy's skull is today is unknown. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If there are any upcoming days in history that you'd really like me to cover on the show, give us a shout on social media at T-D-I-H-C podcast. And if you really love history, there's another show that I think you will like. It's called Unpopular, and it's a podcast that I host that is about people in history who rebelled and dissented and challenged the status quo. And it goes in and takes a look at how we think about dissent and resistance today. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hey y'all, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast for people interested in the big and small moments in history. The day was June 2nd, 1966. NASA's Lunar Lander Surveyor 1 landed on the moon. The event marked the first time an American space probe made a successful soft landing on the moon. On February 3, 1966, the Soviet Union's Luna 9 became the first spacecraft to make a soft landing on the moon. By this time, the Soviets and the Americans had successfully crash-landed probes on the surface of the moon. But landing required something to cushion the landing, like rockets, as well as a way to send the information back to Earth. For Luna 9, the entire spacecraft descended to the surface, but a landing capsule was ejected just before impact. NASA launched the Surveyor Program to demonstrate the feasibility of lunar surface landings. The program was also designed to get data in preparation for NASA's Apollo space missions. Surveyor 1 was the first of the series of seven robotic spacecraft sent to the moon as part of the program. It was designed as an engineering test flight for demonstration of its launch vehicle, the Atlas Centaur. It also served to demonstrate the spacecraft's mid-course and terminal maneuvers, as well as radar and rocket-controlled soft landing. Another one of the mission's objectives was to demonstrate the ability of the surveyor communication system and deep space network to maintain communications with the spacecraft during its flight and after a soft landing. 
The planned landing site for Surveyor 1 was the southwest part of Oceanus Procellarum, a vast, dark plain on the western edge of the near side of the moon. Surveyor 1 lifted off from Cape Kennedy on May 30, 1966. On June 2, 1966, Surveyor 1 made a low-speed three-point landing on the moon after a flight that lasted more than 63 hours. It landed about 9 miles, or 15 kilometers, away from its target point. The space probe used a retro rocket and thrusters to slow the lander's speed down before it touched the surface of the moon. It was the first U.S. spacecraft to land softly on the moon. The lander's first hour on the moon was spent on engineering tests. It carried two television cameras. Before nightfall on June 14th, Surveyor 1 transmitted more than 11,000 high-resolution television pictures. The images sent back showed that the lunar surface was strong enough to support a landed vehicle or human. The lander made it through the first lunar night, which is about 14 Earth days long. On July 13th, the mission was ended because of a dramatic drop in battery voltage just after sunset. Engineering information continued to be returned until January 7, 1967. Surveyor 2 launched in September of 1966, but it crashed into the moon. Five of the Surveyor spacecraft successfully soft-landed on the moon. The Surveyor program ended in 1968. Altogether, it cost $469 million. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have any comments or suggestions or any kind words you'd like to send us, you can hit us up at thisday at iheartmedia.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're at T-D-I-H-C podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.